Two years ago, in the spring of 2012, the drumbeat was already starting to get louder in anticipation of the presidential election that coming fall. Perhaps you remember the opinion articles that were in the paper, both sides advocating for their candidate, wanting to emphasize how extremely right it was to choose their candidate, and how this needed to be obvious to all people. It created a lot of words, and a lot were exchanged. And some were said with emotions that aren't usually shown in public. People were taking sides, and friends who were used to cordial conversation had some level of venom in their tone. I remember a couple of people specifically coming to me and saying, is there something we can do about this as a church? People were hurt by people that they thought were friends, turning so vindictively, it felt, advocating for their particular candidate against the other. Well, I didn't know what we could do as a church, but I knew I could write something for all of us to consider. And so I did a little article that you would have received if you were on the email distribution list back in the fall of 2012. And I talked about how it is that people of all times have wanted someone to come in and fix things. This is a characteristic of humanity. We desire someone to come and make it right. It's not unique to us as 21st century human beings. It's not unique to the Western world. It has been something that people have longed for for all time. And we see it even in our holy scriptures, in the stories of the Old Testament. When people came to the prophet Samuel and they said, we want a king. The people of Israel came to the prophet and said, we want a king. Now you might know that at that time, the people of Israel were ruled by prophets, the wise people among them. And God had said, no king. But they went to the prophet Samuel and said, tell God we want a king. And so Samuel did just that. You can read about it in the Old Testament. He goes to God and he says, they want a king. And God says, no, they don't. They might think they want a king, but they really don't want a king. So Samuel goes back to the people of Israel and says, God says you really don't want a king. It doesn't usually go well. But the people said, no, we really do. We need someone to unify us as a strong nation, to take, stake our claim on this land, to declare that we are a legitimate people. We need a king. And so Samuel goes back to God again and tells God, no, they say they want a king. And so God says, okay. And God sends Samuel out to find the king that God has called to be king. And Samuel finds Saul. He anoints him and makes him king over Israel, the first king. And it ends up not going well. Things go rather poorly. And we read about this just a few weeks ago from our Old Testament lesson, where Samuel is distraught by the fact that Saul's leadership is poor. He is not calling the Hebrew people into following God. And he does not know what to do about this. And God says to Samuel, I'm going to anoint another king. Maybe you remember this story from just a couple weeks ago. But Samuel is distressed. He says, what if Saul finds out that I'm in search for another king? He'll surely kill me. 
And so God makes a little prearrangement for Samuel to do some official holy business. And he says to Samuel, tell Saul you're going to make a sacrifice. Take a calf with you. And I will have Jesse meet you there. And you guys can talk together then. We read about this just two weeks ago. Maybe three. So Samuel goes. Jesse meets him there to make a holy sacrifice. And they conduct a little business while they're there at the temple to carry out this holy work. And Samuel says to Jesse, one of your sons is to be the next king. And so Jesse brings before Samuel each of his sons. And one by one, Samuel says, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Finally, after seeing six of them, Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any others? And, Sa and Jesse says, well, I have one more, my youngest. He is in the field, a shepherd. And Samuel says, well, call him because none of these are it. And so indeed, Jesse calls David. And David is the one that God has chosen as king. And Samuel anoints him as king there. We want someone to come and fix this. Save us, we say. And that is what is shouted by the people as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Hosanna, which means save us, help us, save us. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They want someone to come and to make this better. I tell the story of the election cycle just a couple of years ago just to get you in touch of the emotional fervor of this day. That people's longing for someone to come and to fix it. To bring justice with mercy into this land. But we need to remember that at that time it was not a democratic society. They don't have the advantage that we have in this day and age. At least when we wake up the day after the election and our guy is not in the office, we say, well, there are checks and balances, and in four years we get to try again. There was none of that then. A king became king by overthrowing the ruling king, and that king remained on power, in power until someone overthrew him. So here comes Jesus into Jerusalem, looking somewhat like a king, mounted on a donkey, not a big war horse, but nonetheless riding a steed into the city. People are shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us, they say as he comes in. And people hear the fervor, they hear the words, they come around and they say, who is this guy? And somebody says, this is Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee, the prophet. He's the one that made a blind man able to see. He's the one that raised a dead man to new life. And people said, oh, I heard about that. This is him? And they join in shouting Hosanna. And they tell their kids that they pulled close. They point out, this is the guy. This is our guy. Hosanna. Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us. Save us. This is their prayer. It's the desire of their heart. They want this more than anything. Someone to come and to make it right, to have justice with mercy and peace in the land. This prayer has been placed in them. These words, save us, will be the words that will be answered. It's interesting how God places prayers within us, how we find ourselves saying things way before perhaps an event occurs, only to be reminded of the desire of our heart upon the occurrence. A friend of mine tells about her journey into special education. It was not anything she ever thought that she would learn about, but she felt a particular call to learn about special education. 
and was surprised some years later to have a child that needed the very skills that she had learned. Little did she know that her prayer was preparing her for what was to come. I know for myself, when I first started to manage people, I had a prayer that people who were working would find that their work was transformational. They would call out the best in them. Through all their efforts, they would realize more fully who they are and be able to apply that in all the stuff that fills our long day. And I was surprised when I found myself challenged to offer graciousness in a very sticky situation and by the level of endurance that was necessary to see it through. And the words of my prayer came back to me and I realized that prayer was for me. Another thing that comes to my mind is a person when we were sitting in a small group one time and she said, I keep praying for patience and every day I don't have it. And I said to her, maybe you should quit praying for it. I said, it seems like every day you're given a new opportunity to use it. So maybe you should simply quit praying for it. That was eight or nine years ago. And if I were in that same circle of people today, I would say to her, Pay attention. God wants to help you grow in that area. God will assist you in becoming the patient person that you pray yourself to be. Save us, the people pray. They cry out in a loud voice together. Help us. Save us. God hears that prayer. Save us, they say, as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And God says, I will. Save us, they say, as Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. And God says, let me reveal to you how I will save you. This is the week. This is the week where we become aware of how it is that God saves us. Not as we expect. As you can imagine, the people, as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, they had a very particular thing in mind. But their prayer remained true, and God's desire to answer that prayer remained true. This week, we will tell the story of our salvation. We start with today, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. On Thursday, we will remember how it is that God has demonstrated for us God's desire to be at one with us. On Friday, we will see how it is that God collapses the chasm between us that we have made this, this distance between us and what God wants to offer us. And on Saturday and Sunday, we will discover what it means to live as a saved people, the people of a new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. Amen.